0: Live from Schenectady, New York, it's SaaS Talk with the Metrics Brothers, Growth and CAC. And I'm Growth, better known as Ray Wright, the founder and CEO of Benchmarket. And I'm CAC, better known as Dave Kellogg, independent consultant, EIR at Balderton Capital and author of Kellblog. And together, we are the Metrics Brothers. Indeed we are, Ray. Today, what, we're on episode number 13, we're in double digits here of the SaaS Talk podcast.
1: We are in double digits, but you know what? I did to you. We moved this episode today, which is a follow-on to Customer Lifetime Value. We're going to be talking about gross revenue retention. I moved it up to episode number 11 on us, Dave.
0: Okay. Okay. So, we have two more to wait for number 13, which you have to commit to not do on a Friday. Promise you that. but.
1: Boy, I couldn't believe we were talking about customer lifetime value, and at the end of our conversation, it was very apparent that we had to dig deep into gross revenue retention. So I am looking forward to that conversation.
0: Yeah, I think we need to do it. It sounds like a simple metric, gross revenue retention. You'd think it'd be hard to talk about for 20 minutes, but I know we have a full plate of content, and there's a lot more kind of ambiguity and things to discuss that meets the eye. But before
1: we do that, Dave, let's take a quick break and jump into a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Maxio. SaaS Talk is presented by Gainsight, the first digital customer platform, including customer success management, product experience, customer communities, and customer education. Find out why more than 1,500 companies, including SaaS leaders like Zoom, Atlassian, and Okta, And hundreds of early-stage startups rely on Gainsight to efficiently retain and expand existing clients through an integrated digital-first post-sales customer journey. Gainsight has affordable packages for younger companies and goes live in two to four weeks or less. Visit www.gainsight.com. Now back to the show. Okay, Dave, let's get started. Let's start at the easiest macro level what is gross revenue retention?
0: Sure. So gross revenue retention, uh, also known as GRR, is a SaaS metric that attempts to measure how much leaks out of your install base in a year. And it goes by several names. In in the old days, I I used to call it gross dollar retention. I've heard it called dollar-based gross revenue retention. Do you know any other names, Ray, that are missing there? No, those are the two I well, I, I can
1: tell you, because I guess I'm not a very global person. But when I first started talking a lot about benchmarks, I would call it GDR, gross dollar retention. To my European and Asian friends were like, could you become a global citizen and start using GRR? Because we're not dollar-based. So I think it needs to be GRR, Dave.
0: Correct. I, I had the same thing. I used to call it the, the net equivalent, NDR, all the time. And uh, I discovered really that it's, it's a little bit like the Pulp Fiction problem where, the, you know, why do they call it a burger royale uh, instead of a quarter pounder? And the answer is, you know, they don't know what a quarter pound is. Um, so, yeah, we, we shouldn't burn a currency, i.e. the U.S. dollar, into the name of a metric. The intent here is clear that we're trying to say what it's not. You know, it's not logos. We're not saying we had 100 customers and ended with 90 customers. Therefore, we have a 90 percent logo retention rate. And by the way, if you wanted to count logos, that's personally what I would call it. The intent here, whether you say dollar, which is really a mistake, or you say revenue, which is the right answer, is to say this is a value-based metric and not a count based metric.
1: I think it's a really good, clear delineation. But then we have to go to the next level, and it's like, well, how do we calculate that? And that's where the nuances start to really explode. So how do you calculate
0: GRR? So look. I believe that both NRR, and I believe this passionately, Ray, that both NRR and GRR should be defined in terms of cohorts. And when I mean defined, I mean like there is one and only one correct answer, and you get it by using cohorts. There may be shortcuts or alternative ways that work under certain conditions that produce the right answer under certain conditions. But to me, we have to kind of decide which is the definition and which is the shortcut. And my argument is... NRR and GRR are both defined in terms of cohorts. So specifically what I mean for GRR, we would put in the denominator, basically the year ago value of the year ago cohort of customers. So a year ago, I have customers one through 10. They're each 100 units in ARR. I have a thousand units of ARR. That's the denominator. In the numerator, I take those exact same customers, one through 10, and I add up their current ARR Including any shrinkage, but excluding any expansion, and that's the difference between GRR and NRR. Right? NRR includes both. GRR specifically excludes expansion. So we're basically looking at the shrinkage of a cohort of customers, and say their current value of that year ago cohort is 95. I would, or sorry, 950. I would take the 950 divided by the thousand, and say we have a 95 percent GRR. So that's one way, and it's using a
1: cohort, which really simply means, let's say, it's those 100 accounts from a year ago, and you're looking at those same 100 accounts today to do the calculation, correct?
0: Correct. And there's, there's two things that, can, well, there's a lot of things that could go wrong, but the one that bothers me the most is when people do it backwards. And they say, hey, let's look at 100 customers today and see what they were worth a year ago. <laughs> and that's what, <laughs> you laugh. That's what's known as survivor bias, right? Because we did it backwards. We were supposed to say, hey, let's go back a year in time, count all the customers. Oh, there's 100 of them in this case. And then how many of those do I have today? If I do it the other way, it's it's inherently survivor bias, which will give you kind of an optimistic view on the metric.
1: Yeah, because you're basically eliminating all the churned
0: accounts. Yeah, excluding as I always say, excluding the people who stopped doing business with us, what's our churn rate? <laughs>
1: Okay, so that's the cohort method. Now, I've worked with several companies who use more of a mathematical formula model, and that is you take your beginning ARR, you subtract the churned and downsold ARR, and then you divide that by the beginning ARR. That gives you a decimal, you multiply by 100, you get the percentage. So why do you like the cohort model better than that formula model?
0: So, and this is, I would admit, a DFK idiosyncrasy, but, but I'm going to say that there should be one definition that kind of defined the semantics of what it means. And then you, you may have other ways of calculating this. Uh, there's a, basically, in a relational database, is my tech background, the definition of a join is the Cartesian product of two tables, followed by applying the where clause. That defines the right answer. Nobody actually calculates it that way. But if you want to know what the right answer to a query is, you go back to there and say, this is the correct answer. Now let's find faster, easy ways to calculate it. This is kind of the same question. I'm going to argue that the definitional answer has to be in terms of cohorts. And if you have a shortcut that can calculate it using, for example, what I would call a bridge, what you're calling the formula method, I would call the bridge method, right? You're kind of using an ARR bridge. starting plus new minus turn equals ending. And in this case, you're excluding the plus news. It will produce the same answer in many, many cases. But the problem is it won't produce the same answer all the time. And this, Ray, is why I believe is would-be custodians of SAS standards <laughs> that that and you're more than a would-be you run the SAS metric standards board that that we should say there's one answer that when people come to us and say, What is the definition of this metric? We say one answer, and to me, the answer is defined in terms of cohorts. Can you calculate it using bridges as you described? Yes. Will it usually get the right answer? Yes. Will it always get the right answer? No. The simplest example of a case that'll misray I'm going to contrive it a little bit, but just say you do month-to-month contracts and I start with a cohort of customers in January, I sign somebody in February, they're not counted because they weren't in the cohort, but then they churn in March. And if you're just looking at churn ARR or shrinkage ARR, they'll count. So, and that's always the problem when you lose the cohort and most people don't separate, you know, expansion from customers who were in the cohort a year ago from expansions from post-cohort time frame joining customers, right? Uh, and that's where the bridge breaks down. Look, in a year of one-year contracts, it won't happen. So if all you do is one-year contracts, then everybody in the starting, it will work, right? Because everybody in the starting cohort will have been a customer a year ago and it'll work. But in that scenario, if you're doing monthly contracts, it won't, in my opinion.
1: And one other simple test, I am a the product of a public school education, Dave. So I always say the other thing is make sure that the Ending ARR is never bigger than the beginning ARR, i.e. you cannot have a GRR over 100%, because if you do, that means you're adding some level of expansion revenue into your calculation model. Would you agree with that as a simple, never should be under 100%? Over 100%, yes.
0: Never should be over 100%. Yeah, absolutely. GRR definitionally is maximized at 100. And if you're getting an answer greater than 100, you're doing something wrong. And and as for the bridge method versus the cohort method, I honestly, let me get practical on you, Ray, because I I like the theory of it too. But the practical answer is, I think it's simpler. I just got to divide number two by number one. and, And I never have to ask, what is churn? When does churn occur? And it, it may not seem like a hard thing because you think we're tracking it, but we're not separating it, right? Uh, I don't even have to ask. I have to say, hey, what were those guys worth? Year? How many customers did we have a year ago? 1,000 or 100 in your example. Okay, how many of those people are still customers? 95, great. What's their total ARR today? Great, let's divide that by their total ARR a year ago. Boom, I divide two numbers and I get an answer. As soon as you go to the bridge, uh, I think it has many downsides, including the fact that you can get the wrong answer. The other one I'd actually argue is it tends to put you in a quarter over quarter mode. You start looking at a quarter over quarter and it's supposed to be a year over year metric, right? Like when we talk about GRR, implicit in the definition is year ago.
1: That is true. Another thing to implicit. It's gross revenue retention. I have a question for you, Dave. And this is the thing that I get into debates about this and it's like, I feel like I'm being too precise. and that is. Gross revenue retention rate is not the same as churn rate. What do you say, think about churn rate versus gross revenue retention rate?
0: I mean, I'll, I'll do my short stump speech on churn because I don't want to bore frequent listeners. But but I think there are four churn rates, uh, as you know. that you, It's basically a little two-by-two two matrix. And, and the question on the x-axis is, is, is you're going to use the whole ARR pool, uh, you start an ARR, or you're gonna use only that portion of it up for renewal in the period. So if we're looking at churn over a year, are we looking either at starting ARR for the year, or are we gonna look at the sum of all the contracts that renewed in the year? And again, for some people, that will be the same thing. If you just say you do only three-year deals and it's year two of your company, you're actually gonna have no ATR, (laughs) right? There won't be any, because no contract is up for renewal yet. So for some companies, the difference is dramatic For some companies, there's no difference at all. At the last company I ran, when I ran it, Post Analytics now called Planful, we ran about half one-year deals, half three-year deals at the time. So so it made a big difference in our rates, whether you picked the whole ARR base or whether you picked the ATR base, the available to new base. So that's the x-axis. The y-axis is are we doing it on a gross or net basis. And and so so when you say, is GRR equal to churn, I I have to say, which one? And I think it is. I think GRR is equivalent to what I would call gross ARR pool-based churn, i.e., I'm going to add up all the churn, and I'm going to divide it by the starting ARR. And I think that's going to produce the same number as GRR.
1: Now, this this is really kind of geek city. But for me, retention, you know, good GRR numbers, 88 90 92%. One minus that is my gross churn rate on an ARR basis. Because if I have a 90% gross revenue retention, I have a 10% gross churn rate on an ARR basis. That's the way I think of it.
0: Yeah, it's not a bad way to think of it, Ray. I guess I'm going to be more literal uh, and sometimes to a fault, as we know. But but because I've found churn a little bit hard to count sometimes and because churn rates can be ambiguous because of this little 2 by 2 matrix, I don't love to count churn. And that's one of the things I like about retention is I don't have to ask. I never have to ask what churn is. I just say, what are they worth now? What were they worth then? Boom, I have an answer. And I, I feel like it lets me kind of jump over a potential swamp. <laughs> now, if you're asking me what a churn rate is, I have to calculate churn, right? I mean, you're saying at what rate does churn, you know, does ARR churn out of the base? So I'm going to be forced to count churn. So I'm I'm much more willing when I'm asked for a churn rate to go count churn. But but I do believe your math is correct that one minus GRR will produce the churn rate that I call gross ARR pool-based churn. So so I think we agree on this one. Right. Okay.
1: Now I think this is. The most interesting, but once again, I'm geeky. And that is this whole concept of how to use available to renew ATR and your retention rates. And you are a fan of saying, hey, I just use, whether I have one-year contracts or three-year contracts, I put all that ARR in there, and that's how I calculate gross revenue retention rates. And I'm saying as an operator- When I do have contracts coming up for renewal, where I actually have to get them to renew, so it might be some negotiation, I want to know for only those accounts that have subscription agreements ready for renewal, what percentage of them on a gross ARR basis renew? Do you think it's a good second way to calculate GRR to give you that
0: insight, Dave? Uh, so, so look, I do look at what I would call ATR churn rate. So I think the answer is going to be yes. I think they just tell you different things. Look, if you're trying to say, hey, my customers are really happy, 90% of them renew or 100% of them renew, then you're clearly trying to use the metric as kind of a proxy for customer satisfaction, right? You might say, hey, look, our NPS is 45 and our, you know, our churn rate's only 3%, 97% of our people renew, right? Look how happy our customers are. When you're trying to use it as a kind of CSAT proxy, I think you should use ATR churn because maybe the reason, you know, 98% of them renewed was because only 2%, you know, had a contract up for renewal in the period and both of them didn't, right? So in order to get rid of that problem, I think we should use ATR of of basically what's the percent of people who had a chance to not renew, (laughs) right? What percent of them renewed? And that's what I'm trying to figure out if your customers like you, if they're happy, CSAT proxy, all that stuff. Conversely, if I'm just going to go into like what's your install base worth, like what's the financial value of your install base, I like to use the whole ARR pool because whether or not somebody would have renewed if they were given the chance is moot. (laughs) Because if you know three quarters of my customer base is on multi-year deals, they don't get to renew. They're effectively auto-renewing. And when I'm trying to say how much is this base worth, I think I need to include that. So the answer to me is, is, is there's a place for both these metrics. In just kind of GRR by default, I think you have to use the whole ARR base because it's almost built into the cohort-based definition, right? There's nothing about whether or not they have a contract up for renewal in the, in the cohort-based definition of GRR I gave you. So, so to me, it's tricky, but in, in my little churn rate matrix, there is a box where you look at basically gross and you look at ATR-based, and that's the box I look at for trying to figure out if the customers are happy. see.
1: This conversation between you and I is so important why executive room tables around the world should be having these discussions and debates. Because when this first came up a couple of weeks ago, man, I was an ATR bigot. I wanted everything to be ATR. And you were telling me why you wanted to use all ARR. And what's interesting, after we had that discussion, I bet we had it for an hour, hour and a half. We came to the same place, I think, which is there's a place and time for ATR versus just aggregate
0: ARR. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our, our listeners should know that Ray and I just don't turn on the mic, talk about this and not talk to each other for a week. We do sometimes, you know, get into long and in extended conversations about, Hey, wait a minute, something just came up and what do you think about it? And, and I think we both learn in that process, you know, I, I'm in the middle, uh, I'll preview an upcoming episode. I'm in the middle of a deep dive into LTV to CAC that got kind of prompted by one of our last episodes. So, so we do this a lot. And, and yeah, I think it's important that people understand these metrics. I mean, that's why we do this podcast because while it may seem really geeky, if you're going to ask what a churn rate is, which in general is one minus a retention rate, I got to know what you're counting. Are we looking at the whole base? Are we looking at those people up for renewal? Or are we doing it on a net or a gross basis? And it may sound really basic, but, but and by the way, you're going to use that metric to build other metrics like lifetime value. <laughs> so you really need to understand, right? If you're going to put churn in the denominator and put one on top and say, that's your lifetime, It'd be really nice if you understood what that churn rate was.
1: By the way, I have to tell you, Dave, as much as I appreciated that discussion, we got to a, a good place and it's coming out today. My wife asked me to please stop having those conversations in the public part of our house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, She's like,
1: this is what you do for a living? Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. My wife's mad because we have to crate the dog during the uh, podcast because it'll start barking. <laughs>
1: well, let's let's go to the, I think one of the most important things. So we talk a lot about the metric, how to calculate it. We talk about all these nuances, but I think it's what's really important, especially to a lot of the you know, earlier career people in this industry. Why, how do you use GRR to really inform your decision making?
0: So, so there's two things here, Ray. And unfortunately, I, I'm going to have to bring up NRR, which we'll probably have to do another dedicated episode on. But, but to me, the first metric I go to in this little ER family is NRR, because I think NRR is, is an attempt to value the install base. They're like, okay, you have an install base of customers worth 100 a year ago. What are they worth today? 112. Great. So, kind of, it's like flying a plane with a 12 mile an hour tailwind. Hey, this is great. (laughs) Right. I've got it. And conversely, right. If on a net basis, I say, hey, what was the customer's worth a year ago? 100. And what are they worth now? And you say, you know, 88 on a net basis. Then I'm like, holy cow, we've got a 12 mile an hour headwind. So, So, the first metric I actually look at is net revenue retention. But then it immediately begs the question, especially in tougher times: Do we have what in French they call "one train hiding another"? At French railroad crossings, I love this sign. There's there's always a sign at a railroad crossing in France that says "Un train peut en cacher un autre," and it means one train can hide another. So, so if you're looking at one train and it clears, and you start driving across the track, you may get hit by another train coming in the opposite direction. And this is the way I feel about NRR which is one train can hide another meaning really good expansion can hide really terrifying churn <laughs> and that's why i like grr because i'm going to say hey what's your nrr and you go 140% i'm going to be like wow that's flipping amazing and then i say what's your grr and you go 70 i'm going to be like holy cow you guys are amazing at expansion but you've got one heck of a churn problem and that's why I like GRR because it doesn't let you hide behind great expansion. Ultimately, if I want to value the base, I want to know the net. But if I want to look for trouble, I want to look at GRR. Yeah, you know
1: what's interesting? We're starting to get a lot of people reaching out to us, Dave, and asking questions, sending it to our mailbag. And Tom Lawton, who's the chief revenue officer at Charlie, he asked a question. So let's let's end today's episode with his question. That is should we be excluding variable revenue in a usage-based pricing model from our GRR calculations?
0: Okay, well, two things, right? One, I got to finish answering the prior question, then I'll answer that one. Okay. Because uh, I, do, I do want us to become a call-in show like Car Talk one day. So, But the, the second answer to your question is, is, is it's the one train to hide another issue. It's why I like GRR, because it's kind of a trouble detector. The other reason is you can find troubled segments, right? We can look at GRR and NRR by segment, SMB mid market enterprise, we can look by vertical. We can look by product. So it's a great way to look. If you're looking at NRR, what's particularly healthy, and if you're looking at GRR, where are the potential trouble signs? So, so that's the other use of the metric. Either kind of look at the whole base at once, or or to look at pieces of it. Now, to answer the question, by the
1: way, Gabe, yeah. let me double click on that though, because if you've grown and you've got multiple target markets, you know, like you said, SMB and enterprise or mid-market enterprise, or you go global, if you're not calculating GRR or NRR on a segment-by-segment basis, I think you're missing 80% of the value. I'm making that number up, but I think that's critical to do that.
0: Yeah, look, I I would argue that the the PE formula for acquiring a a semi-troubled software company is to, during diligence or during the, the sale process, go analyze all the customers by segment, find the good segments figure out what the company's worth based on those segments, buy it, shut down the bad ones, invest in the good ones. <laughs> so it's an integral part. Potentially, if you're going to sell your company to PE, they're going to do that exercise for you. So you may as well do it yourself. Go go find your good segments and your bad ones. Well, do you think we can pivot to Tom's question? Yeah, I think we can. So Unfortunately, this opens up a really big can of worms for me because, because I exclude him, he means variable revenue. He's talking about a model where there might be a base subscription plus fees on top. So we have what I would call monthly varying spend, also known as or can happen with usage based pricing or consumption based pricing models. I genericize that to just talking about monthly varying SaaS that we have two types of SaaS, right? You spend 120 units a year, which is 10 units a month. It's kind of flat. And there's monthly varying SaaS where maybe either with or without some baseline fee. You're getting some usage fee on top. So your monthly spend is varying, right? And that's a consequence of the pricing model. Um, And obviously usage-based pricing is super popular these days, as are these hybrid pricing models. So this is going to come up a lot. And my answer, and I think we may disagree on this one, is the question is, what do you use for ARR, right? Because I just defined a metric in terms of ARR a year ago and ARR today. Well, shit, we don't have ARR, (laughs) right? We've got this baseline fee plus some varying overage charge. Right. So the answer is, what do you use? And there's two different approaches. I think you take one, I take the other. I'll tell you mine. Mine is to say that basically I want to get a proxy for ERR, which is trailing spend. So I'm going to do it kind of the snowflake way and say, okay, if you want a GRR calculation, I'm going to go back 24 months and I'm going to look at, you know, year two to year one, what did you spend? And then year one to now, what did you spend? And I'm going to ex- exclude any expansion from that, which is going to be a little tricky when we could, because how do you define expansion versus normal fluctuation, right? This is the problem that showed up at the clavio S1, if you follow that debate. But but that's what I would try to do. I would use trailing spend as a proxy and trailing spend does include both base and variable fees. I, I would just want to say you spent a hundred bucks with me a year ago. You spent 95 this year, therefore you're down five units. Now the question is, of course, I'm not even sure GRR is meaningful in this case. NRR is, but on GRR, and I've opened up a real rat hole where this is literally the debate I'm in the middle of on Twitter, is what does GRR mean with a subscription-based pricing model? So I could do it for NRR. I would say in my case, the NRR in my example would be 95%. For GRR, I'm not even sure what it means to exclude expansion because I'm not, I have no expansion. I'm just looking at spent. How much did you spend? Yeah. So, but to your point, if all your
1: accounts are growing, right, you're going to get a GRR greater than 100% using your model.
0: Well, I won't because I'm going to exclude expansion, but I don't know what expansion is. So so I think I, I refuse to answer the question. The witness will not answer the question on what's GRR. I can give you an answer on NRR, but you're right. But I wouldn't even know how to calculate it, Ray. To be honest, because I say now go exclude expansion. I'm like, well, what the heck does that mean? I, I would have to say if, if if you know February is greater than January, is that expansion? I don't know. But I'm just looking at spend. I'm not sure, Ray. I'd have to, I'd have to chew on it more. But I'm, the bottom line is, by the way, what Clavio does is they they exclude shrinkage. So what's weird? We may want to do an episode of the Clavio NRR GRR calculations. But I could say I agree with you. GRR can never be greater than 100. I will say that I think it's it's a big problem slash challenge to take SaaS metrics built around annual flat subscriptions and translate them to a kind of monthly varying usage-based world. Dead
1: on. I say GRR if you're a more traditional subscription or a hybrid where you have a minimum subscription plus usage, I exclude the usage from my GRR calculation. And for those who debate me on that, then I say, then let's just use NRR And that's the most important retention metric I would use in that hybrid environment.
0: Yeah. I mean, frankly, I I wouldn't even know how to calculate it not do it. At first, I knew you were going to say that because I know how you do it. And I think it's striking me in real time as a reasonable way to do GRR because I can't even calculate GRR using my method. So so yeah, I I see where you're coming from.
1: Well, today's been a great episode. And sorry, I think we ended it a little bit on a, we don't have all the answers, but that's the reason we do this nobody has all the answers and it's these discussions and getting alignment and knowing that you're measuring your business by having a common definition of the metrics you're using right dave
0: right right measure on <laughs>
1: measure on okay thanks for today and we'll be looking forward to our next episode
0: bye everyone sas talk is a production of the metrics brothers growth and cac and a member of the Market podcast network by accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Metrics Brothers make no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information presented or the humor content of the jokes provided. Mm-hmm. Right? The information, opinions, and recommendations presented are, according to our spouses, probably wrong and provided for general information only. This podcast should not be considered professional or, for that matter, unprofessional advice. We disclaim any and all liability for any direct, indirect, undirect, misdirect, incidental, special, ordinary, consequential, inconsequential, or other damages arising out of any use of or, God help you, reliance upon the information presented here. Ray Reich is based in New York City and available on Twitter slash X at Ray Reich. Dave Kat Kellogg is based in Silicon Valley and available at KellBlog. Schenectady, which is French for unspellable, is not our actual production location. You can reach us at sasstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.